You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, hosted by Rick Stevens and Michael Spinella. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Michael Spinella, and I'll be your host for the next hour. This is episode 209 of the Canadians Connection podcast, and I'm pleased to be joined in the studio by my co-host, the editor-in-chief, the founder, and the president of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. How are you doing today, Rick? I'm doing great. How are you? Welcome back. I'm doing pretty good. I am absolutely shocked that we're more than halfway through the month of September and <laughs> where we're getting close to that regular season starting. Well, and uh, the, the Canadians have, have ramped up. Uh, they're going to be ready for regular season. We'll be ready for regular season. The studio, there's a little bit of construction here. Um, the, apologize for the mess. We're putting in some new equipment for the, the new season. Um, but we're, we're happy to have, uh, we're happy to have all of our listeners, especially those, those new ones that uh, found us over the summer. Our, our downloads have exploded over the summer and, and, uh, we're, we've been happy to guide you through all of the off season activities as we get very, very close, uh, to be talking about the regular season. And we even have games to talk about this week. Yeah. And you know what? I, I really love training camp and preseason time um, to an extent when the team's rebuilding. I find the preseason to be a little bit more interesting than the regular season at times. Lots. So, uh, yeah. Lots of storylines. Yeah. I'm excited to see who like manages to get NHL spots. We know that uh, there's definitely some spots on the backhand in Montreal. So hopefully <laughs> we get some clarity on that in the coming weeks. And fortunately, um, most if you're joining us for the first time, we welcome you. And if you found us via the Hockey Podcast Network, we're a proud affiliate. Uh, we're a little bit different than most of the Canadians' podcasts out there. Um, this podcast is presented by uh, credential journalists. Um, it's uh, We've been doing this a very long time, uh, back to about the 2012 season. And, uh, and we've been running all summer, so our regular listeners have kept up to date. I, I saw one of the you know, little fan podcasts this week. They said, okay, we're back from the summer. Uh, hey guys, what do you want to talk about? And I thought it's kind of like 
boarding a moving train, you know, um, we're, we're, uh, our listeners were already up to speed and, and boy, it's a good thing because a lot happened, uh, this past week and we're going to talk all about it in this podcast. Yeah, we'll uh, start you off with our uh, Habs news, and then uh, we have our prospect report and an update from around the league. Plus, we have a few quotes of the week. Uh, we get to hear from uh, Nick Suzuki and uh, Josh Anderson. In segment two, there's uh, a lot to be excited about in terms of prospects. Uh, we have a very special guest in uh, Joel Yurden. Uh, he's going to join the show to help us talk about the prospects and provide some insights on uh, what's been going on at the 2022 prospect challenge in Buffalo. And then in segment three, uh, we have our Canadians connection question of the week as a captain. Should Nick Suzuki be required to learn French as demanded by Quebec premier Francois Legault? Oh boy. And uh, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> it's going to be plenty to talk about from there. We're uh, excited to hear from our listeners. And uh, for those listeners uh, who are interested in uh, getting in and uh, sharing their opinions, uh, what's the best way to do so, Rick? Well, we have, we've set up a special Rocket Sports text line, 5853-ROCKET. Um, it's been lighting up this week. 24 hours a day, you can text us. And uh, we sometimes read uh, your texts on the show, or we certainly do our best to get back to each and every one of you. If uh, a little bit more to say, you can send us an email, info at allhabs.net, or social media, um, our Facebook page, uh, our, our Twitter accounts, Instagram. Uh, you, can, you can reach out to us there. Yeah, you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Plus, you can check out the website, canadiansconnection.com. So starting things off, uh, it's going to be a little bit different than what we did over the summer. Uh, we have some games to recap. Uh, the 2022 Prospects Challenge uh, was underway in Buffalo, and we got to see two games this week. Starting off uh, September the 15th, it was Buffalo coming away with the first win, Four to three uh, goals come from uh, Emil Heineman, Philippe Michard, and Owen Beck. Tough game for uh, Joe Verbetic and Nett, and uh, it was the debut of Slavkovsky, and uh, a lot of fans were really excited to see him play in a Montreal Canadiens uniform. So I thought we'd just put the, the Canadiens goal song in there because we are talking about uh, on-ice action, and, and as you said, um, it was just great to see uh, the the Reds uh, CH jerseys on the ice in Buffalo. Um, nice venue, a packed uh, house, mostly Sabres jerseys, as you might expect. But uh, pleased to see all kinds of of Canadians uh, sweaters as well. Um, and and let's be honest, all eyes were on Yuri Slavkovsky, and why why wouldn't they be uh, number one overall pick at the twenty twenty two draft? Um, he was, um, I think it was Seth Albert, uh, the, the, uh, Rochester Americans coach who was acting for the Sabres, uh, said he came as advertised. And I think that's, that's absolutely fair. Um, he was, he was a beast out there. Um, and he said he wanted to dominate. And I guess for, for at uh, at least the first period, uh, that was the case. Um, but there was other prospects to keep an eye on too. And, um, I liked Owen Beck and Emil Heinemann and, and uh, both scored in that game. Um, but we, we're not going to take, um, you know, not going to make a whole lot of, of conclusions um, after just one game uh, or, or two games. Uh, as, as it was that uh, um, Friday was also, the Canadians were also in action this time against the, the, rookie, the rookies from the New Jersey Devils. 
Yeah, four to three overtime win for the Devils. Uh, Montreal comes up short. Uh, the Devils got a very quick uh, goal in uh, the first uh, little bit of the extra frame there. Uh, goals coming from Trudeau. And then once again, Mashar and Beck get on the board. Uh, I've liked what I've seen from Mashar and Beck, but like you said, uh, it is the prospects challenge. We're not going to read too much into that, but uh, I, I think fans can start to get a little bit excited at least about that. In net, uh, 18-year-old goaltender Riley Mercer actually looked pretty solid in overtime, didn't, or uh, in regulation at least, didn't he? I think he he really did. He's the brother of Devils prospect Dawson Mercer and uh, somebody that the Canadians brought to camp, uh, signed uh, on, on a PTO for the, the camp. And, um, uh, you know, whereas as Joe Verbetic looked, um, Joe Verbetic wasn't, wasn't bad, but he looked a little uncomfortable or, or uh, unfamiliar with the pace. Um, I thought Riley Mercer um, plays in the queue from Drummondville. I thought he looked pretty comfortable for, uh, you know, kind of a big stage for him. Um, and, uh, and, and, and yeah, in, in regulation was, was very good. Uh, Canadians didn't have an answer for Alexander Holtz, uh, the, the, the exciting, dynamic, um, devil's prospect. Um, he was involved in, in the tying goal and then the overtime goal. Um, but, uh, again, a lot to be, a lot to be liked. Um, and, and whether, whether it was, um, Emil Heinemann, uh, he's looked good. His first two games, a rocket of a shot, uh, Owen Beck, uh, dominating on the faceoffs, uh, um, carrying the puck, uh, competitive, uh, Philippe Machar, uh, offensive talent. Um, Slavkovsky, we talked about. Justin Barron on the back end, his his skating, he looks very smooth. Uh, same from uh, Matthias Norlander. Uh, Jordan Harris even, playing on his wrong, uh, wrong side. A little bit of experimentation going on in the rookie camp, playing on the right side. Um, he looked pretty good. Arbor Jacki, everybody <laughs> wants to see um, him and his physicality out there, and uh, we saw a bit of that. Owen Beck said uh, he's played against that guy, that, that he knows there's more <laughs> more to come. Um, and Jan Meshack, who uh, was great in the World Juniors, playing a key role and and out there uh, late um, on the Thursday game when the the, uh, um, the Canadians were, were trying to, to tie it up. Um and, and how about even uh, Riley Kidney, who didn't get much action, speaking of World Juniors, didn't get a lot of action in the World Juniors, um, looked a little uncomfortable maybe between guys that have chemistry in, in Slavkovsky and, and, uh, and Mashar, but looked much, much better playing on the wing um, on Friday night's game. So uh, if you're a Canadiens fan, um, and, and there's, there's an awful lot to be excited about in the future. So the Canadians' record uh, throughout this prospect challenge is 0-1-1. Their next game is going to be tomorrow, Sunday at noon, against the Ottawa Senators' rookies. And uh, I'll definitely be tuning into that one. There should be a ton of great prospects to watch. For sure. So make sure you check out Habs Notepad and Habs Headlines, posts appearing regularly at allhabs.net. In our uh, roster news here, well, earlier this week on Monday, the Canadians held their 46th annual golf tournament. Uh, this is a tournament that's returning for the first time since 2019 after taking a little hiatus over the pandemic. Uh, the golf tournament raises money for the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundation. 
A great uh, golf tournament. Interestingly enough, it's it's happening a week early. If if things seem to be moving along, happening all at once, uh, the, this golf tournament has been moved up a week. Apparently, somebody forgot to make the booking uh, when the when they traditionally uh, go, and it was all booked up. Um, but um, uh, it it turned out to be a great day, a great event. Uh, lots of, of members from the course uh, were there golfing and contributing to uh, the charity, as, as you said. And uh, it was just nice to see uh, the entire team. Um, where was Mike Hoffman? Whispers, whispers, whispers. Um, <laughs> all the, the Canadians in their, uh, their white polo shirts, their, their shorts, with the exception of Michael Pizzetta, um, who was Mr. Long Pants on the day, um, and and an, a, a really nice picture taken, um, and it's just it's a signal that uh, the 2022-2023 season isn't so far away. Uh, one of the things I know everyone is looking forward to this season is uh, well, the Canadians announced RBC as their official game jersey sponsor. So now you're going to have a big, bright blue uh, RBC crest on that Montreal Canadiens jersey. Are you excited about this one, Rick? That's not Canadiens blue either. That's uh, <laughs> They didn't color match uh, the, the, the jersey patch, and there's the yellow and the RBC blue. Not excited. Uh, I'm not. And um, we put it on our Facebook group, facebook.com slash allhabs. And I, I, I can't find uh, a reply that um, uh, from Habs fans who are supportive of this. Um, this is, this is, this is a little odd um, that the Canadians are taking the lead on this amongst uh, 32 NHL teams. Uh, this is the first year that uh, uh the NHL has allowed um, it, it's 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 allowing teams the right to put on a jersey patch. It, it isn't dictating it. I know there were some comments. This is Batman's fault. Well, no, this is the team's fault, um, and uh, the Montreal Canadiens are are leading on this. Uh, that that they sold space on the beloved Canadiens jersey. Uh, lucrative, I guess. Uh, could that revenue be placed? replaced in other ways i i i sure i sure would hope so um you know and and i think it was uh, one of the athletic writers that the canadians the expectation was that with all of this change uh with all of the looking for new revenue streams uh that the montreal canadians who are a legendary franchise in the nhl would would position themselves as guardians of tradition, and they didn't. They sold out first, um, and, and and that's really disappointing. Um, uh, Jeff Molson said uh, his quote was, uh, "We're conscious that this might cause a reaction." You think so, Jeff? Um, he described it as an evolution, and and uh, not not an evolution, not a pro, not one for progress. Um, uh, very sad, very very sad that the Canadians went this way. Very sad that the Canadians didn't insist, at the very least, on color matching it so that it wouldn't uh, um, be so obnoxious on on the, the the jersey. The good news is that if you want to buy a Montreal Canadiens jersey, you don't have to get the patch um, and uh, from the comments uh, at least uh, from our uh, Canadians community I don't think many are going to be opting for that patch 
There are going to be three players on the Canadians this year that have something extra on top of that RBC patch on their jersey. Uh, Nick Suzuki was named the 31st captain in Canadians history, so he'll have a C on his chest. And then Joel Edmondson and Brendan Gallagher are named the alternate captains, so they'll both be having an A on their chest. Um, if you were to buy a jersey for one of these players, would you uh, want that extra letter on there, or is it like the RBC thing where you just don't want anything? <laughs> uh, no, it's uh, of course. Um, this this is something we we talked about uh, several times um, over the past few months, including a couple weeks ago. Uh, that we we said uh, two shows ago that we would find out at the golf tournament who was the captain. We were predicting it would be Nick Suzuki. Uh, we we're right about when it would happen. We we're right about who. Um, this was absolutely expected. And and for a is Nick Suzuki ready? I think we covered that. Probably not. Is he is he mature beyond his years? No, probably not. Uh, does he have two excellent? Uh, veterans to lean on and to learn the role and to um, you know model his uh, off ice behavior. Uh, I, I don't think there's any questions that that uh, Suzuki is the leader on the ice. Does he need some help off the ice? Probably. Uh, but in Gallagher and uh, and in uh, Joel Edmondson, he has two excellent alternates, uh, alternate captains, not assistants, as as Nick. Uh, introduce them in fact nick almost forgot to introduce them um and uh a whisper in his ear from Chantal maccabee and and uh, his alternate captains uh were brought out um we'll 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 hear from we'll hear from nick uh in our quotes of the week yeah like you said uh, no surprises there i think the haves have been gearing up for this announcement pretty much all summer um, I think it's a little bit unfortunate that uh, they didn't uh, go into training camp and make uh, the announcement after training camp just to see how things were in the room and on the ice and how players were received. But you know what? That's uh, it's not a knock on uh, Nick Suzuki at all. I'm sure he'll develop into a great captain over time. It was, uh, it, it was an inevitable decision. I think I still probably would be leaning towards going into this season without a captain, but uh, the organization was definitely not interested in going that direction. No, and, and uh, Nick said himself he was approached at uh, the time of the draft by Marty St. Louis. Uh, it's something that the organization said they wanted to happen. Uh, he's been thinking about it. Um, took him, he said, two months to consider it and make sure that it was the right decision for him. It was one of the reasons that he chose, he and his girlfriend chose to stay in Montreal over the summer. Um, he's, he's spoken to um, all the leaders. He's spoken to Kerry Price. He, he had a um, um, conversation with Shea Weber, and Shea Weber was very supportive. Um, and uh, I, I think it's... Um, it's helpful that he has Edmondson, he has Gallagher, he has Carey Price, um, who uh, said he'll, he'll, he'll be around uh, the team uh, this year to uh, help provide that, that leadership transition um, for Nick Suzuki. So now I think it's a good time to go to our Habs Prospect Report. This edition of the Rocket Report is brought to you by AHL.Report. Your premier source for the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. 
So those who tuned into the prospect challenge uh, the last two games might be a little bit surprised that they did not see any Caden Gooley. I know there's one more game happening tomorrow. Do you have any inkling on whether or not we'll get to see Caden Gooley face off against the Senators? According to what I know, uh, Caden Gooley will play in Sunday's game against the Senators. Caden Gooley, um, obviously, you know, probably second to uh, Yuri Slavkovsky in terms of uh, the player that the Canadian uh, Canadians fans want to see uh, at this rookie tournament, uh, you know, he was he had been rehabbing a, a, uh, an injury and and um, he had uh, the, the Canadians wanted him to have a couple of practices under his belt. We re- remember that um, they they were just assembled on Wednesday. Uh, in Broussard and uh, got on the on the bus and headed to to Buffalo uh, for the the tournament which started Thursday so not a lot of practice time they just uh, the group had a game day skate uh, on Thursday um, in Buffalo uh, to prepare for the game so they wanted the Canadians management wanted a couple of days for him to practice with the team before he got into action and that will happen uh, on Sunday against Ottawa. Yeah, another prospect that has been missing from this uh, prospect challenge so far is uh, Joshua Waugh. He will not be participating in the tournament due to a hand injury. Uh, He impressed at the World Junior Championships this past summer, if you tuned into that. So it's uh, it's unfortunate that he's not going to be able to keep the momentum going, but uh, let's hope that he has a nice speedy recovery. Yeah, the hand injury is said to be uh, minor, um, and it was uh, something that that happened in the World Juniors, uh, but he didn't even make the trip to uh, Buffalo. He uh, stayed back at Broussard to uh, continue his his rehab work. And finally, uh, Logan Mayu, who's uh, been out uh, with a shoulder injury. Uh, he's on the injured list for Canadians rookie camp, uh, still recovering, a bit of a tough summer for him after uh, he suffered a season-ending injury last year. That's correct, and, and uh, we won't see uh, Logan in... Uh, a game. Um, he'll probably return, uh, as many of the, the CHL players, he'll return to his OHL team, the London Knights, um, this week. Be sure to read all the content on ahl.report. Also, listen and subscribe to the Press Zone. Uh, last week's episode that came out on Tuesday featured uh, the AHL hot stove with Patrick Williams. So we have some quotes for this week, and uh, first and foremost, uh, we get some from a non-Montreal Canadian in uh, Jonathan Huberdeau. Uh, it wasn't very long ago that many Habs fans were calling for Huberdeau to sign with Montreal as a Canadian or as a free agent next summer, and uh, some fans were even uh, hoping that Montreal might trade for him now so that they could get ahead of that. Uh, I guess unfortunately for those fans and. Fortunately for Jonathan Huberdeau, he decided to sign long-term with the Calgary Flames. Massive contract for, for Jonathan uh, Huberdeau. And, uh, and yes, um, he's going to be, he said um, that he's um, committed to, to the Flames. Um, he said, uh, I know that I will be playing in Calgary for the next nine years. Um, uh, but of course, he's his off season has been in Montreal. Um, we know that uh, Brad Treliving came to Montreal, and uh, they had their their uh, famous meeting and and uh, great discussion and and talked about that that contract. 
Um, and he, he he's obviously seen the, the, the headlines, seen the rumors uh, about um, the possibility or, or fans speculating that, you know, after that one year that he would be coming to Montreal. And his quote to uh, the folks at 32 uh, Thoughts podcast, Jonathan Huberdeau, Uberdo says, I know that several people suggested that I play a year in Calgary and then join the Canadians. Even if I love Montreal, I, I don't know. I think it's a difficult city for Quebecers. Um, so providing some insight into, um, you know, last week uh, there was, uh, Amy and I uh, talked about a survey that was in The Athletic uh, saying, why, do, why don't players want to come to Montreal? Well, even for Quebecers, uh, Jonathan Huberdeau said, uh, it's a difficult city to play in. Yeah, uh, it, interesting quote coming from Huberdeau. Uh, I guess uh, that <laughs> that's how he feels, and he seems to be pretty uh, happy in Calgary. I know that... Uh, in terms of pressure, there is a tremendous amount of pressure for hockey players playing in Montreal in general. So I guess he feels that uh, being from uh, Quebec as well, that would uh, just be a little bit too much for him. Yeah, I, I, I agree completely. We also uh, got to hear from uh, Nick Suzuki. Uh, he talked about being named captain. Obviously, that's uh, that's the big news this week, and uh, it's uh, nice that we got to hear from him on that matter. Bonjour, bon matin. Uh, Devinette, uh, Capitan, the Canadian de Montreal. Uh, it's a true honor for me and a privilege, and uh, this team's heading in a great direction. And I uh, couldn't be more excited to be the captain and represent the team. It means a lot um, just to see the respect that the management, uh, teammates, coaches uh, have for me. Uh, I know it's a big role, but I think I'm ready for it. And, uh, there's a bright future here, and I'm excited to be a part of it. So Nick Suzuki uh, came out um, with the C on uh, his his new RBC jersey and um, uh, stood before the cameras and without notes uh, began um, in French and delivered in in French uh, his his introductory message, uh, which I th- I thought was really well done and uh, obviously a tone of respect to um, to the the fans the Canadians fans in in Quebec uh, and then continued on uh, talking about what an honor it, it was uh, he realizes what an honor and uh, the mutual respect that um, he and the management have for each other um, I think he he certainly understands the the gravity of the role um, and um, is going to do his his absolute best to to fulfill the the shoes of the thirty other ca- captains who have come before him. And uh, um, again, the you know what we'll get into it later in our question of the week and Francois Legault and and all of that. Um, but um, you know Nick Suzuki, uh, and he he. It was in French immersion in 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 high school, uh, but he took the time. He said that that uh, um, you know he spent some time on Babel over the summer, uh, trying to learn. and And I think he showed that it was important to him. Um, he he's not going to be necessarily uh, uh, bilingual and be able to uh, conduct um, you know media opportunities um, in French, and, and and shouldn't have to, but. Um, but he made an effort uh, to to memorize those lines right at the beginning, and I, I thought that was really well done on his part. 
Yeah, it sounded pretty good to me. I understood most of that. And uh, you know what? If he can uh, roll some of those R's too, then he'll, uh, <laughs> I'll be perfect. <laughs> I, I should uh, just say, uh, uh, just as far as the audio quality, uh, much of the audio from the golf tournament, that the, the, the podium mic was, was in a bad place, didn't have a windscreen. Uh, there was music playing. There was cars dropping off uh, golf clubs. It was... Much of the audio um, is unusable, and, and you heard the it not being the greatest quality uh, there. But we wanted to let you hear uh, what Nick had to say directly. Yeah, we also get to hear uh, Josh Anderson's thoughts on Nick Suzuki being named the captain. Um, honestly, I haven't even heard that yet. So, like, okay, so uh, there it is. So, big congrats to to Nick. So uh, Josh Anderson, not part of the group text for the, or didn't check his phone. Uh, th- that was, that was hilarious that, um, you know, he was asked to respond. What do you think about uh, the captain? He had no idea and was caught off guard, obviously uh, at the podium um, and <laughs> reacted well, uh, offered his congratulations, but you could tell he was just, Oh, well, um, okay, that's where that's where we're going here. Um, yeah, <laughs> that was hilarious. And uh, last but not least, uh, the last bit of audio we have comes from Arbor Jackai. Uh, Jackai is a prospect that uh, made a name for himself last season in the CHL playoffs. I know he's slowly turning into a bit of a fan favorite here, and uh, he talks about what he has to prove. And we're going to get to that audio in just a second. Uh, I mentioned that uh, that uh, the audio, most of it was kind of unusable, uh, but there's a couple of quotes uh, related to the captaincy uh, that I just want to read. Uh, and because um, we wanted to get uh, the alternate captains in, uh, I think a big, because th- these were quotes that um, were talked about all week. The Brendan Gallagher quote, um, Brendan Gallagher uh, obviously a candidate for the C um, and and was kind of seen as the captain in waiting um, uh, with, uh, with Shea Weber leaving. But um, a lot of class by Brendan Gallagher saying when asked about uh, him being the uh, given the captaincy, um, Suzuki said, uh, Nick Suzuki is the heartbeat of our team. Um Huge. Uh, that that I think that's huge. Uh, huge endorsement of Suzuki, uh, and just puts to rest any kind of um, pointed division that may be exploited by the media. Um, it, it said in in very few short words, Brendan Gallagher really said, "I'm on board here. I'm supporting him, and here's why." Um, I, I excellent. I, I I Brendan Gallagher couldn't have said it any better. Um, Joel Edmondson, um, when he was <laughs> came to the podium, um, he was asked, "Okay, you're you're going to be a, a, an associate, um, an alternate captain. Um, you know what what's your approach for this uh, year of rebuilding?" And he said, "Quote rebuilding. That was last year. We're ready to take the next step. So the according to Joel Edmondson, the rebuild's over. Uh, it's done." Um, and the Canadians are moving on and, and people made a big deal of this, but, um, what else would you expect from, from a player? Uh, they don't want, they don't want to talk about a rebuild. They don't want to talk about a season of losing. They don't want to talk about a season of development. 
that's an entirely appropriate thing for uh, Joel Edmondson to say. It kind of put Marty St. Louis in a little bit of a box because then he was, we've heard from Marty, we've heard from Kent Hughes saying, um, you know, uh, winning isn't that important uh, this coming season. It's going to be all about development. So it put them in a difficult uh, spot. But I thought uh, Kent Hughes uh, answered it perfectly. And um, he said, quote, our goal will be to win every game, uh, but without sacrificing the development of our team or our players. Um, and and there you get the the the, the vision of both the player uh, and the management, uh, who's you know they have their eyes on different things, obviously as they should. Uh, I I just thought it was fascinating this week the way it all played out. Yeah, very well handled by uh, both Edmondson and Hughes there. Obviously, the players need uh, some motivation. Otherwise, why bother showing up to play? Uh, So it's nice that uh, there will be some emphasis on trying to win some games. But uh, like uh, Hughes said as well, it it should not be at the detriment of uh, development because that's probably the main priority right now. So um, having said that, let's get to that Arbor uh, um, Jackeye um, bit of audio uh, that you so capably set up. Yeah, I think uh, I came to Montreal pretty early this summer, and I think uh, it was good to show them that I'm, I'm not just a big, uh, big meathead defenseman. I can, actually, I, can, <laughs> I can actually play the game, and I got skills, and I'm a good puck mover, and I showed last year that I could score a lot of goals, so that's part of my game too. <laughs> that's a brilliant quote by Arbor Jackeye. Don't pigeonhole me. I'm not a meathead defenseman. I actually have some skill here. And he showed it. Uh, I mean, obviously, obviously he enjoys the physical part of the game, um, but he can skate well. Uh, J.F. Wool said to Arben Basu, he's got better feet than you do, Arpen. Um, and uh, he's, he, he's more than just a one-dimensional physical meathead, as uh, to use Arbor Jackeye's words. Yeah, and those who uh, paid attention to him in the playoffs uh, last season, he put up uh, quite a f- he put up a lot of points. I think at one he point did. he was leading defenseman in points. So you know what? Uh, there's there's a lot to be uncovered here. I'm excited for his development. Absolutely. So we have some hockey news and uh, NHL transactions from around the league. Uh, to start, we're going to head over to Winnipeg. Uh, Blake Wheeler is no longer going to be the captain of the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, the Jets are at a bit of a crossroad here. Uh, there's definitely going to be some big changes for that franchise this season, depending on how things go. Uh, Blake Wheeler uh, had some interesting things to say about the Jets organization at uh, locker room cleanout day uh, earlier this year. And uh, you know what? It, I guess surprise, not surprised that this happened. Yeah, this... Um how you know a difficult situation a really difficult situation um there there's a couple of of locker rooms that were uh you know a, a little bit uh, problematic um last season philadelphia is one of them and uh, uh john tortorella came in and put the hammer down and and said uh you know guys got to smarten up that's one way of doing it uh, in Winnipeg, they did a little bit differently, and uh, but still, uh, a pretty bold move. It, it's funny because uh, our dear friend uh, uh, Eric Ingalls, who writes for Sportsnet, said uh, that naming Nick Suzuki as a captain was a bold move for the Montreal Canadiens. I, I guess he was referring to the age, uh, Suzuki being the youngest captain in Canadiens history. It, it's not a bold move when it's expected. 
Uh, talk about bold moves. That's Rick Bonus going into Winnipeg and saying, um, you know, uh, uh, Blake Wheeler, you've been captain for six years. Uh, we're going to remove that C from from your sweater. Uh, we want other um, other players in this organization to be involved in the leadership. And then both of them went and sat before the media uh, and took questions. Brilliant, brilliantly done, a difficult situation, but brilliantly done by Kevin Sheveldayoff, Rick Bonus, and Blake Wheeler. Thought it was really well handled. And you know who I have been missing from these headlines over Who's the past that? little while? Uh, Patrick Waugh, uh, uh, yeah. the GM and the head coach for the Quebec Ramparts. That's what he's mostly known as nowadays, of course. Um, he was suspended one game and fined $5,000 after a preseason match. Uh, apparently, there was a heated argument between him and <laughs> one of the officials in the first period, and that led to him being ejected from the game. So, uh, New Day, St. Patrick... And uh, wow, uh, did I read this right? Preseason match, first period, like what? <laughs> Apparently, he's uh, had a lot of anger to deal with uh, over the summer, just pent up that he had to. I mean, uh, the relationship between Patrick Waugh and officials in the queue has been acrimonious forever. Um, it's, uh, you know, this is no, this is nothing new, but, but it's also, um, for him to become unhinged in, in a preseason match, uh, right at, you know, the opening of the season, um, and for him to be suspended one game, fine $5,000, um, and, and, uh, for his, his anger, um, towards the officials, uh, is not a good look. And I, I know that, you know, loved Patrick Wise as a player, uh, and and one of the greatest players in Canadians history. I know that there was some folks wanting him in, you know, to to be the coach. And 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 while you love that passion, uh, the fact that that he's not able to keep control it it's why he ran himself out of Colorado and and uh, and probably has made it difficult for himself to return to uh, the uh, NHL in you know in in. Uh, uh, in Quebec, uh, in, for the Ramparts, he, he's he ha- he holds all the hats, so he can basically do what he wants and only has to deal with the consequences from from the league. But uh, yeah, um, fun to have fun to have um, in the headlines uh, once again. And uh, finally, uh, Dan Robertson, uh, one of the best in the biz. I know he's a favorite uh, with here at Rocket Sports, a friend of the show, friend of uh, the press zone as well. Uh, He announced that uh, he's leaving TSN 690. Uh, He was uh, the radio voice for the Montreal Canadiens for a lot of years there. And he's going uh, to part ways in favor of uh, taking a TV play-by-play job with another team. Uh, That team is yet to be announced. We should find out, uh, Dan says, so we should find out in the next week or 10 days. Um, yes, he was, uh, it was a good friend to us. He, he came on the podcast a number of times. We spoke to him uh, off the air more times. Um, and um, uh, he spent the last eight seasons, I think it is, as the Canadians' English radio play-by-play voice. Does an excellent job. Um, he hails, uh, 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 from, uh, Trenton, Nova Scotia. And, and it's interesting that so many of the good, uh, 
play-by-play voices have come from that area of the country, the Maritimes, Newfoundland. Um, you think of Bob Cole from St. John's and, and the greatest ever, Danny Gallin, Gallivan from Sydney, Nova Scotia. Our dear friend, um, uh, Brian Rogers from, from St. John's, Newfoundland. Um, and, and Dan Robertson is yet another one. Um, he, he bluntly said, I've called my last game here, um, for, uh, TSN 690. I can't say where I'm going or what's going to happen, but I'm finished here. Um, and the only thing he would say about his new opportunity is that it was, it's the right move and a really good opportunity for him. Um, I, I would speculate, uh, there's a a position we were talking about Winnipeg. There's a, a a play by play, um, uh, uh, position open, Dennis Bayek, who is excellent uh, for the, the Winnipeg uh, regional games on TSN. Uh, he announced his retirement last year, so there's a position open uh, there, and I, I wouldn't be surprised that in a week or so, um, Dan Robertson is going to be unveiled as the new uh, on-air um, TV voice of the uh, Winnipeg Jets. So wishing best of luck uh, to Dan Robertson, and uh, we appreciate everything he did on uh, TSN 690. Coming up, uh, we have a brand new message from our sponsors at DraftKings, and then we'll get into our big topic segment. Stay with us. This is the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The NFL's opening week was action-packed, and it's just getting started. Get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want more action? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. It's simple. This Sunday, bet on any NFL team to win. And if your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Michael Spinella, and you can find me on Twitter at the Spinella. With me in the studio is our president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. You can give him a follow at All Habs on Twitter. You can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Plus, you can check out the website CanadiansConnection.com. Just a reminder to subscribe to the Canadians Connection podcast in the player or on your favorite podcasting app. And welcome to segment two, Rick. This is, uh, we have a lot of exciting things going on here. We have uh, Joe Yurden coming in in just a little while. And uh, you know what? Canadians fans have plenty to be optimistic about in a very bright future. Get excited about your prospects. Um, and, and, and why not? Um, 
the the cupboards are being one of the the benefits of being at the bottom of the standings uh 32nd overall that was that's painful for the canadians uh the silver lining is that uh you get very good draft position uh the canadians were able to kent hughes was able to unload uh some players in and around the trade deadline and accumulate some picks and 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 make those picks and and bring in some prospects same will happen uh next draft um, and so it's, it's tough. It's tough to watch those games and, and the Canadians uh, losing, but there's, there's hope. Um, and um, we saw some of that hope um, uh, unveiled this week. Yeah, there are a number of prospects to be very excited about. Um, if you take a look at uh, the uh, prospect rankings from across the NHL, uh, Buffalo Sabres, of course, are number one. They've been at the bottom of the league for a number of years now. They've acquired uh, many first-round draft picks. But uh, Montreal, they come in at seventh. And you know what? We got to see both of the team's rookies uh, face off on Thursday uh, for the Prospect Challenge. Lots of players looked really nice. Um, You got to see Slavkovsky make his debut in the CH jersey. Uh, The other first-round draft pick from uh, this past draft in uh, Philip Michar. He looks looks nice. I'm excited for that prospect as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, And there was, was, we saw in that behind-the-scenes, um, uh, draft video that the Canadians put out. There was some discussion. What are we going to? Um, uh, Jeff Gorton asked, "What are we going to do at 26?" Uh, the European scout said, "We want Philip Machar." Uh, the Ontario scout, uh, Matt Turk, said, uh, "I'm going to pound my um, pound the table for Owen Beck." Uh, fortunately, the way it worked out, the Canadians got both of those players um, at at 26 and 33. Um, and, um, and yes, um, when we covered uh, the, the uh, pipeline rankings from the athletic Corey Pronman a couple of weeks ago, uh, the Canadians are, are ranked number seven. Um, and, and it's interesting that in that top 10, you have the Canadians uh, at seven, uh, you have the Buffalo Sabres uh, at number one, uh, the Ottawa Senators are, are right up there in terms of prospects. New Jersey Devils, all of them at this same prospects uh, tournament in Buffalo. And uh, we were fortunate to, uh, you know, Joe, Joe Yarden has been a, a friend for, um, we figured it out, 13 years uh, in this business. And uh, he's a Buffalo reporter. Uh, he's been doing this a long time. He has got his eyes on, on the prospects. Uh, he was excited to see Uri Slavkowski, and uh, we had a great conversation. Uh, and for that, we brought uh, in uh, our dear colleague, Amy Johnson. With the excitement of the Prospect Tournament taking place in Buffalo this week at Harbor Center, who other but our good friend, longtime colleague and friend, Joe Yurden, to join us uh, this week on the show to talk a bit about the, the tournament, the Sabres versus the Canadians game. Joe Yurden, welcome back to the show. I, I've got, like, let me pull out the scroll of, of all the fantastic things that you are involved in these days, uh, my friend. You're co-host of the Maintenance Day podcast uh, at NotedHockey.com. You're writing for Bleacher Report, uh, McKean's you're involved with, just uh, all, the, all, the, all the things for Joe Yurden. Have computer will 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 you know will write and <laughs> will will accept your money like that's <laughs> I think that's I think that's where we're at right now it's uh, yeah it's it's nice to be busy again it's great I 
it's uh it's been a little bit since i've been able to kind of like dig in like this and it's uh it's a nice throwback to the days where it was you know constantly hustling now it's, i mean that part's not that fun but it's nice to do a lot of stuff though this is great it's great it's I, I was so fired up being back uh at the rink for for the prospects camp and and the, you know, the game uh the game on uh thursday night it was super well, congratulations, first of all. You uh, were, were thrilled that you're busy again. You deserve to be busy again. You do, do such a, a wonderful job covering the Sabres. Let's talk a little bit about just um, that first experience. Harbor Center looked packed um, on mm-hmm. Thursday night for the Buffalo-Montreal uh, rookie game. Uh, can you just describe, uh, you know, and it's it's such a it's such a great rink uh, for events like this. You you know, there's there's not a bad place to sit in in the arena. It's you're really close to the action, uh, and just Sabres jerseys as far as the eye could see. Um, could you just describe a bit what the atmosphere was like and what it was like for for you to be back in in that kind of an atmosphere and and seeing the excitement for uh, for Sabres hockey for for a rookie tournament and, and all of that. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I, it's nice to have, you know, everything kind of settled down, you know, post pandemic. I mean, you know, say whatever you want about, you know, it's still going on or whatever, but, um, uh, but it was nice to have a full house for it. Um, I know, uh, Saturday night, tonight's game, Saturday night, Saturday night's game. Yes. Mm -hmm. Saturday night's game is going to be a sellout already. I think that that's, it's already pointed in that direction. So, um, but to have people pumped up about this, it, it, it's, it's a little different because, um, there isn't like, you know, a, a, gr- a fully grab your attention guy on the Sabres roster. I mean, Matt Savoy's, Matt Savoy's fun. He's a very fun player to watch. Uh, but it's not like there's, there's not like an Owen power or, you know, a Darlene or, you know, an Eichel type guy out there playing in it. So it's not like that you know, man, I got to be there to see that guy. There's a handful of people on this team, handful of guys in this team where it's like, Hey, I want to check this guy out. Or I've heard about this guy for, for a couple of years. What's, uh, what's going on with them. Um, and they've had a good draft the last couple last couple of years. So there's, there's a handful of guys here where there's, there's some good curiosity to be had. And I think getting to see them in this, you know, this kind of setup is, is great because anybody who goes to the main camp, Probably not going to be there too long, most likely. I mean, there's probably a couple of a um, couple of guys that that will hang out for a bit, but um, but but to see them playing against guys in the in the same kind of situation is great uh, because it's you know it's kind of even even talent you know you know guys at the same age, same position in their careers where you know they're making that push, they want to get noticed, they want to play, they want to play hard, they want to go go the full the full game and, and really show out so it's it's fun but uh, it's it's wild like, I, I'm sure having Montreal involved in the tournament this year helps out because uh, some of the folks from from Ontario crashed the border to come through last night there's <laughs> I know, I know. On the the, the video is is very blue and gold, but there is a lot of there's a lot of blue and red hanging around the place. So I, I was expecting that, but um, but I think it might have been a little bit more than even I thought it was going to be. But I mean, listen, you bring the number one pick to town, people want to come see him. Well, and apparently Owen Beck had a whole cheering contingent uh, from Port Hope, Ontario, that uh, mm-hmm. that did just that and crashed the border. Um, this this is. Um, you know, maybe not uh, big names from from the Sabers, but when you look collectively over these six teams, well, 
let's say four teams um, <laughs> because of Buffalo, Ottawa, uh, Montreal, New Jersey are, are in various states of rebuilding and, and they're the ones that for the most part have the, the prospect cupboard a little bit full and, and uh, in the promotion for this, uh, the Sabres uh, said that there was 14 first round selections from the 2021 and, and 2022 draft. And with all that young talent, this, this is a prospects challenge, a rookie tournament. It's a little different for fans watching this. And, and um, you know, we, I, I flipped over to the, the Buffalo coverage um, in the inter, first intermission and there was GM Kevin Adams and, and he was saying what he was looking for. Uh, from from his players and talking about um, looking for players who who weren't feeling overwhelmed that, that that there was a level of comfort that they weren't drowning out there, uh, which is different I would say than when you're watching a regular season NHL game. So, um, in your mind, what what should fans be looking for from this tournament when they're watching the games? I think the thing that, to keep an eye out for is is looking who looking for the guys that 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 aren't shying away from the moment cuz it's it's a little intimidating um you know there's a lot of there's a lot of team officials you know from all these teams and even some you know some other teams around because they want to check out some of these guys cuz there's a lot of invites too mm-hmm. uh, so it's it's a chance for those guys to you know it's kind of like the scene in slapshot it's like you know there there's scouts out there scouts <laughs> All right. Um, so you get some of those, you know, you get some of those guys to really pop off and uh, get in the mix where, you know, you know, maybe, maybe some of the higher draft pick guys are just kind of like, they know what their role is going to be, where they're going to be this season and how things go. So maybe it's a little bit, you know, you kind of, not to say like you, you go easy, but maybe you're just kind of like maybe not pushing it as hard as you will when it's time for, you know, the big training camp. But, um, but what you're looking for is to see how these guys, um, how they fit into what they're doing. Cause you're not doing system stuff. You know, it's very basic. You know, you're not, you know, you're not going to get a lot of heavy, heavy action on the power plays and whatnot. Power plays are probably going to look really sloppy because they've been practicing for a day, maybe two. Uh, so you're not going to see a lot of that stuff, but you want to see how they handle, uh, how they handle the situations, how they, you know, how they handle the breakouts, you know, are they looking for the, you know, are they looking for teammates? Are they helping guys out? Are they, are they puck hogs? Uh, are they turnover machines? You know, it's different things like that where you want to get an idea of, of how these guys play the game. And um, it, it's, it's interesting because, because even sometimes, you know, I've seen it in some of these games in the past where you, you'll have some big name guys in there and they'll be a little bit like, Ooh, geez. All right. First time going here. Like, you know, it's a little bit shaky, but once the game gets going along though, I mean, these, all these guys settle down and the first 10 minutes of the, of the Buffalo Montreal game, it was a little sloppy. It was a lot sloppy. <laughs> it was, it was a lot of, you know, a lot of just handing the puck to, uh, to the other team and, and letting things go. But, um, but you know, once things settle down and guys get comfortable out there and, you know, they've got thing, you know, they've got their, you know, they get their mojo going, I guess, but uh, it, it gets it gets a lot better. So the game gets cleaned up and it's a little bit more fun to watch. But um, but yeah, I mean, keep an eye out for the guys you want to look for, you know, you know, first round picks or guys that, you know, you, that you saw in the draft. Where you're like, hey, maybe this would be a guy. Keep an eye out on them and see how they handle the situations and, and, and you know, the moment. Because, I mean, it's not it's you know, it's not like there's a Stanley Cup at the end of this, but um, but it's it's something where you can see. 
you know, kind of where, you know, where they're at in their careers and where they're at, you know, at this point of, you know, with this age, whether it's 18, 19, or some case for some of these guys, 23, 24 years old. What was interesting uh, for me, of course, um, I, I actually chose to watch uh, the Buffalo Montreal game via the Sabres website since I could get the call in English. Uh, only, only a French version was offered via the Canadian site. Um, and, as a side note, I know we talked about this uh, before the show, even that uh, the the guys doing Saber Li- Sabers Live who called, who did a call for the game, including Marty Baran, uh, did a spectacular job. Uh, it was very entertaining, very informative, um, and and yes, even they. I mean, no matter what team you were there to cover, what team you were there as a fan of. All eyes were on Uri Slavkovsky, of course. Uh, very, you know, very big, flashy star power, first overall pick, which was a controversial first overall pick for Montreal. Um, and 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 even the guys on on the Sabres call were were pointing out places where they thought maybe he was trying to do a little too much, you know, in in that first that first run, uh, even in that the first period or so. Uh, seemed to settle down a little bit once he set up a really, really nice setup for Philip Meshar uh, there in the second period. But um, with you being there and seeing Slavkovsky, I mean, on screen, he looks like a formidable guy out there on the ice. But what did what were your impressions of your ice Slavkovsky for his his first time out in this game? Well, it's it it, it was very impressive um, for me. Uh, a guy that size and, you know, given the, the, the he was matched up mostly against the Sabres uh, top line with Matt Savoy, um, Matt Savoy, uh, get back to it, Savoy, Alexander Kisikov and, and Linus Weisbach. It, all those guys are five foot nine, <laughs> you know, so they're, <laughs> so they're a little bit smaller. They're quick. And Slavkowski is, you know, a six, three, I think he, what they say? He weighed in two thirty eight. I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, like six four two thirty. I mean, he's the monster of a guy, just a mm-hmm. massive guy. What what was interesting to me was that I saw a guy that was like eager to show off. I mean, you know, not in the not in the you know the flashy hot dog ways, but uh, but a guy that wanted to show his skill. He wanted he wanted to dominate the game. He even said that beforehand. He, you know, they asked him. They're like, you know, is this, is this a situation where you want to you want to own the game? And he's like, well, of course, I want to win. I want to dominate. I want to dominate every game. It's like okay all right buddy cool like that's love hearing stuff like that um but i I, there were there were situations where uh, to me and i you know i don't know if this is the case or not but um i I looked like he was testing himself to see what he could do against some of these guys because you know i'm you know on the especially on the defense side there was only only uh, three of three of the Sabres defensemen were guys that they drafted. The other three were, you know, you know they're undrafted invite guys um, or, you know, guys in the, in the minor league system. But um, but you could see how he wanted to, to really test what he could do. Uh, you know, sometimes it didn't work great. You know, he had a one, you know, he one against puck, four, one against four <laughs> and, you know, hit the blue line and then gave up the puck right away, which, you know, hey, that's that's what happened. Now, a little bit later on in the game, he had a one against three and was able to do something with it and was able to, you know, kind of get one or two of the guys turned around and was able to get the puck away to a teammate. Not bad. Uh, you know, and there was another play where, you know, he basically passed to himself off the boards to kind of get free and, and set something up. Uh, you know, the shorthanded goal he sets up to to Meshar uh, was mm-hmm. brilliant. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's just a beautiful pass and something where you 
you're not sure if he knows the guys there. He said he knew he was there. He can say, I mean, those guys know each other. So I think they, I think they would know if the, if one's going to be there for the other one, but it's just, it's the kind of thing where he's got such an instinct for that. But, you know, there was other times where, you know, maybe he takes the puck into a situation where it didn't work so well. You know, there's a, a Sabre shorthanded goal in the third period where, you know, Slavkowski is, is along, is along the wall and he skates up towards the blue line instead of, sending the puck down in the corner and to get a restart. He's like, well, let me just chip this to the defenseman. Well, he's got a guy right on him and the Sabres player was able to knock it away and away they went for a goal. So, you know, it, it's, it's little things like that, but you know, for a guy that's, that, that's kind of pushing, pushing himself and, and seeing what he can do and what he can get away with. I get it. But you know, I listen, Sabres guys were, were, were trying to test them. Some guys later in the game were taking runs at him. I don't know. <laughs> Berzola. I, I don't, you know, Berzola was getting himself into trouble uh, in that game, throughout the game. He took a ton of penalties for, for Buffalo. And, you know, obviously I had that high hit that had everybody in Montreal worked up, rightfully so. Um, but, you know, he took a run at Slavkowski late in the game. And I'm, I didn't ask Slavkowski this, and maybe I should have asked. And I don't know if somebody else may have. I'm convinced he saw where Berzola was. And he's like, I'm going to take this puck to him. Let's see what he can do. Um, and they met right in the middle, uh, you know, right in the middle of the slot and Brazil bounced off him. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> Brazil is not a small guy. He's six two, 200. So, you know, and he was going out hammering everybody all night. So, I mean, it's just wild to see something like that, but, um, but some of it, you know, the work of his hands down low, I mean, he was, he was so smooth with the puck, uh, his vision, his instincts, I think are top notch. I, 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 I came away very impressed with him I, a little bit fanboy ish in a way, just because, you know, you hear him talk and it's very easy. He's very likable, mm-hmm. um, but you, you watch the way he plays and it, 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 there's certain things that, that remind you of other players, not necessarily in the skills, but like, but just how he, how he holds himself, how he conducts himself and how he, you know, he runs it on the ice. His size, I mean, it, it's hard to not think of Ovechkin with his size. You know, he mm-hmm. plays the wing. You know, Ovechkin's a massive guy. I mean, people forget about that. I mean, he's, you know, Ovechkin's like 6'3", plays at like 230, 235 pounds, and it's, you know, it's all muscle. You know, a, a guy like that, it's not It's not like he's a fat guy running around on the ice, you know, like an ice hockey. But, um, but you see him, you know, you see that similar kind of stuff like that. And I've caught myself a few times thinking like, well, why isn't he setting up you know, over on the side for a slap shot. Why isn't, you know, why isn't that happening? But, <laughs> um, but there's, but there's also a little bit of me that, and, you know, I was talking about this with uh, John Morrow from, from the Associated Press. We're sit, sitting with each other at the game and he mentioned Yaramir Yager and I go, Oh my God, that's like the, with the reach that he's got with the yeah. stick. And, you know, I don't know if he's got the big backside like Yager does, but I said, if he learns, if, if he starts to take on those, traits and that's how he how he gets around on the ice I was like he's gonna be very very difficult to stop um so when you see all these things in a winger you get you get why the guy why montreal took him number one you understand why it happens like i know the conventional thought in a draft is that if you have an even even talent between a winger and a center you always take the center because center is more you know more a vital position arguably but if you've got a guy with that sort of talent, with that, with that kind of ability, 
it changes the game quite a bit because you have to, you know, arranging your defense to try to, to try to take out a center is a, it's not easy. Yeah. But you have to, you have to do a lot of loading up in the middle of the ice to try to take them out of the game. You have to, you know, try to keep guys from the outside wingers operate from the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and he's able to work his way in because he is big because he does have good hands and it's, I don't know. You, you, you understand why that call gets made instead. I know, I know the dramatic part is to say, you know, Shane Wright wasn't, you know, it was a bad interview, blah, 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 all that, whatever. I understand watching, you know, <laughs> I, I understand watching Slavkowski play the way he does. I was like, okay, I get it. I, I get it now. So um, it's one game. It's a rookie game. You know, can't really take that much away from it. Sure. There were some lows. There's a lot of turnovers, but again, I look at it as him testing himself and seeing what he could do. They're Not coming for your take on this. <laughs> Maybe obviously. it is a hot take. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's understandable. Um, Yuri Slavkovsky, he, he, he gets all this uh, attention and ink and um, yeah, played Thursday night, didn't play Friday. Um, but there were other players uh, there in the game um, against uh, Buffalo. And and um, who else, I, I, I guess, um, stood out to you? There was, you, you know, we said there's not much chemistry um, and, and you don't expect much. There was a little bit between Slavkowski and Mashar, a little bit, surprisingly, between Owen Beck and Emil Heineman. Um, and maybe even a little bit of chemistry between Lucas Condata and uh, the aforementioned rambunctious Zach Berzola, as we saw fisticuffs in a game that we don't normally see in in a in a rookie match. But but who who stood out uh, for you on the on the Montreal Canadiens roster? I'm glad you mentioned Heineman because uh, I really liked a lot of what mm-hmm. I saw from him. Yeah, for uh, sure. I love the I love the shot. I think he's got a he's got a top tier shot. Yeah. To him. And we saw that uh, the first goal, I think, first goal of the game, just a yeah, absolute ripper. And I mean, obviously, that's that's going to make you open your eyes. But uh, I thought his whole game was very good. Uh, I I thought he was very good at getting around, you know, getting around on the ice and getting into those spots in the offensive zone uh, to be dangerous. And he didn't look out of place, you know, working, working the puck along the boards either. Um, I know for, you know, for a winger, he's he's a little bit more he's a little bit more slight. Um, but I think that's okay f- given what his what his apparent talents are. Like if he's going to be a, ri- a guy that's going to rip it like that, I kind of want a guy that's going to be a little <laughs> bit smaller, a little bit faster. But I mean, I mean, not small. He's six foot one, but you know, he's not a six foot one, two hundred pound guy. He's a six foot one, one hundred eighty five pound guy. So there's there's a little bit more shiftiness there. Uh, Owen Beck stood out all game long. I thought he was mm-hmm. dynamite. Um, maybe maybe that is the, the the family effect there. I don't know, but. Um, <laughs> But he was great. I thought I thought Beck was fantastic. Um, I kept my eyes out for for uh, I'm no I'm gonna say it, this uh, Misak Mishak 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 yeah. I was almost right. Um, I was keeping my eyes peeled on him, especially after World Juniors and how great he was there. Yeah. Um, I was watching out for him and I didn't really stand out. Um, but I don't know if that's I don't know if that's really his fault. <laughs> I don't know if that was just you know just because that line was getting you know third lines were matching against third lines. And that's a lot of, it's a lot of guys that like to grind it up and, and, you know, kind of go at the game that way. But I thought um, it was interesting that JF Wool, when uh, the uh, Canadians were trying to tie it up face off in the Buffalo zone, you got two um, 
great OHL faceoff guys in Owen Beck and uh, and Jan Meshack on the ice. Um, mm-hmm. So you're right that that Meshack didn't get a lot of opportunity, but when when they needed they they wanted to tie it up, Meshack mm-hmm. was on the ice. Yeah, that I did notice that late. I was I was like, okay, well, it's, it's not like they're running Meshack out there with with Simino and 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 uh, Guindon. I don't know if I'm saying that right. No, that's good. Uh, I think you are. Okay. It's a relief. I hate saying names wrong. I, it drives me nuts. But um, but yeah, it was. I, I didn't think that was really on me. Shock for uh, for not really getting a lot of those chances. Uh, as much as I would like to have seen last night, you know, again, maybe that's me just in my own mind thinking like, man, I really want to see this guy, you know, blow it up and, and go off. Um, but, but they stood out and I don't know if I, if, uh, Arbor, uh, Arbor Jekai, Jekai, yeah. Jekai, yeah. Oh, man, I almost got that. So one. close. Yeah. But he was on the ice a lot. Yes, he was. I saw him on the ice a ton and not just because he's a, a big dude. But he was, he seemed very, I mean, I know he's an undrafted guy, but he seemed very capable at handling the puck. He's very physical. Um, you know, you love having a defenseman that can do a lot of that kind of stuff. So, you know, if that's somebody that they've got their eyes on to, you know, to maybe bring on board, I would understand completely. Uh, I thought he was, I thought he was very good. I, Matthias Norlander is another one mm-hmm. uh, I thought was very good. Yeah. Uh, Justin Barron was strong. Uh, you know, having him and Norlander, Norlander were, it's a, it's a dynamite pair. Like they were, they were, they were very good. And, um, but uh, Norlander seemed to grab my eye more. I think Baron was to me, that means Baron played a great game. Cause I wasn't noticing him. It was a mm-hmm. class, the classic defenseman. Like if you don't notice him, he did his job kind of thing, but Baron was very good at getting the puck up the ice too. So, um, but yeah, those, those guys really stood up. Condotta did too. And not just because of the fight. I thought he was a, very strong physically. Um, the, the the one thing though, I I was a little bit bummed out about. Are, are you okay? Hot, incoming hot take, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> really? That or somebody scored again? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, I I would have would have really liked to have seen when they were chasing the you know when they were trying to get that goal late. Really would have liked to have seen Mishak between Slavkowski and Meshar. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Uh, because Slavkowski and Meshar were the chemistry was instant. You know, they work great together. Kidney, kidney was kind of, he was kind of a third wheel. I mean, it's three guys on the line. So somebody has got to be a third wheel, but like, he just seemed a little bit out of place trying to mix it, mix in with those twos. Could be, I mean, it's tough. It's tough to be the third guy in that kind of setup because those two guys know each other really well. You know, they, they, they know each other, you know, great from playing together, uh, you know, and, you know, junior, you know, world junior events and stuff like that. But, um, so it's it's a hard spot to be in, but but man oh man, I thing tournaments like this, I always want to see a coach just get a little bit crazy and be like, all right, let's put all our offensive guys in one line and see what <laughs> happens, and see if see if we can get some either get you know get a goal or you know maybe unlock something else to happen with those guys on the ice. But um, but yeah, I, I, I kidney also struck me as a guy who might be better on the wing. Um, I don't uh, something. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just like it's it's a it's a bad one game opinion of mine. But uh, would have liked to see a little bit more from him. Maybe it'll be maybe he'll be a little bit better off in you know a couple of the, in the you know the game on Friday Friday's game. Maybe he's a little bit better off. I confess I'm not didn't go to the game, so you know my bad. But um, 
So maybe he'll be a little bit better off uh, with a different setup there. But, um, but yeah, like that's, uh, that's, it's very, there's a lot of, I mean, she's, it, it's a lot of guys to be excited about. And, you know, she's, we didn't even see Caden Gooley. Mm-hmm. So I, I was a little disappointed not to see him because, uh, you know, obviously uh, Brennan was a, his older brother, Brennan was a saber for a few years, saber prospect anyways, but, um, but yeah, it's, uh, but yeah, they, they, I was very impressed by a lot of the guys on Montreal. I know they didn't win, but I mean, who cares about wins and losses? You just want to see the guys play well. So, um, Sabres prospects, um, on, on the, the, the Buffalo roster are, which skaters, um, did, I know that what you mentioned, uh, Matt, uh, Savoy and, and certainly turn my head, very dynamic player, very mm-hmm. quick, uh, Linus Weisbeck, former, uh, line mate at Wisconsin of, uh, Cole Caulfield. Uh, he looked pretty good to me, but you know them better than I do. Who, uh, who, uh, stood out to you? Uh, so, I mean, obviously Savoy did the speed, his creativity, um, his passing abilities, top notch. He almost connected on one late in the game where he took it up the, he took it up the wing side as opposed to, he was, he was playing center, which I don't, I don't know that he's going to end up being a center, um, when he gets to, when he becomes an NHLer, cause he, he's another guy where I think his skills lend better to playing on the wing. Um, you know, plus if you're five foot nine as a center in the NHL, yeah, it's, it's, that's a very big uphill climb to try to handle that. I know guys can are do it. They are capable of doing it, but it's really tough to do that in the NHL. But, um, but he almost connected with, I think it was, it was either Weissback or, or Alexander Kisikov, uh, where it was just a perfectly f- sauced pass across, you know, right across the slot, right in front. And, um, I think the goalie, I think the goalie came away with a stop on that, but it was, I mean, stuff like that where a guy even has the courage enough to make a pass like that or, and to send it basically perfect, you know, across like that. It's like, Whoa, okay. Like, you know, that's, that's the kind of stuff you you you, you hope you see in these kinds of games. Um, Tyson Kozak was dynamite uh, and not just because he was a couple of goals, his whole style of game is to me, it, 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 if he's going to, at the least, he's going to be a very good AHL player. I don't, you know, I, I don't know for sure if he's going to be an NHL player, but he has a lot of like, the, he has a lot of the stuff in his game that I think coaches really, really salivate over. He's very strong defensively. Um, he plays hard every shift. You know, he's, he's the kind of guy that's going to, that's going to bother opponents just because he doesn't stop. Like he's just a relentless mm-hmm. kind of player. And, you know, he's, you know, he can be physical and he doesn't need to be, I mean, he's not really built to be a physical player, but he doesn't shy away from it. Um, and I, to me, he's a late bloomer. I mean, he had a tremendous season in Portland, uh, WHL last year. I mean, it came basically out of nowhere had what, uh, 37 goals, 69 points. I mean, that's, it's, it's, it's strange for a guy to, to come up as like kind of a, you know, not necessarily a grinder, but like a guy that's going to be strong on the defensive side to suddenly blow up with nearly 40 goals. Um, so I, Kozak's a guy I'm, I'm very interested to see. I hope he doesn't go back to the WHL. He can, he'd be an overage guy, but, um, but the Sabres signed him to, to an entry level contract. So they really like his game. I suspect we'll see him in the AHL. At least the, I hope. Um, uh, Isak Rosean. That's how you pronounce it. We were told. Um, <laughs> he, very fast skater, a lot of skill, very courageous skater too. Like there's no fear in his game. I love seeing, I love seeing guys that play like that. Um, 
that that can go off like that. Uh, would have loved to see more. Would have loved to see more out of Lucas Rusek. I'm very high on him though. I think he's going to be a fun guy to watch in Rochester this season. And for for a first look at Philip Cedarquist, I mean, he was a pick back in 2019 uh, by this team. He finally he's finally made it over here from from Sweden. He I didn't realize how big of a guy he was. Because <laughs> to me, he was always known to be like a guy that can fill the net. He can score. And I figured like he's going to be another one of those like skill, snipey kind of wingers where he's, he's quick and whatever. Suddenly I see him parked in front of the net. And I go, who's this big guy? <laughs> like, this guy's a monster in front of that. Obviously playing with shorter guys, he looks way bigger. But um, but I look at 49. Cedar, holy Jesus, okay. 6'3", 200, 208 pounds. He's going to be in Rochester this year, and he's already—I mean—he's already pro size. That's a pro size. If the skill can follow him, and he had a very good year in Sweden last year with Jurgarden, uh, I—he's—I'm very interested to watch his his progression. So I—I I like them. Mats Lindgren is such a smart defenseman. I, I think they—I think that's a fourth round steal for them. He needs some work still, but such a good skater. Mike Weber couldn't talk, uh, couldn't talk enough good things about him. Um, and both of their goalies, they're, they're not guys that are prospects of theirs. Uh, Beckworm is probably going to be in Cincinnati uh, in the ECHL for them. Uh, but it was Thomas Suchanik who really impressed me. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's, he had a rough year at Tri-City. I think Tri-City was pretty bad last year, if I recall correctly. But he's it's, it's, he's got a bit of an unorthodox style, and let's face it, Czech goalies who are playing or, unorthodox style are <laughs> kind of popular in Buffalo, from, <laughs> from what I recall. But um, but I thought he I thought he played a very strong game. Uh, second, you know, he played the second half, the, the final thirty minutes or so, and like they put him into the game when it was his time to come in. Montreal just got a power play. And they, they fired a shot on him right away, and he just blockered it away. Like, okay, welcome to the game, bud. Here's <laughs> here's a zinger going, you know, going up, going for top, you know, top shelf on you. But uh, he was very strong. I wouldn't be surprised if they signed him, if Buffalo signed him. And honestly, Buffalo might want to sign him before somebody else gets the idea to sign him. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's gonna be. I assume he's I assume he's gonna be back in Tri City this season. But uh, and Tri City might be a little bit better this year. I know. It's it's Stu Barnes's team, so uh, you know more Buffalo connections. If you if you want to if you want to get into the if you want to get into that with them with them there, but uh, very very impressive game out of him. He's probably going to get a full game of one of the last two of this uh, this uh, this uh, this weekend. So be very interested to see how he handles that. And, and out, we remember him from uh, the World Juniors as well. He was yes. uh, he was strong for Czechia there. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, he's got to be on some teams' radars from that and. It uh, wouldn't surprise me that some of the uh, the scouts that were not from any of the teams here this weekend that were that were that are here to watch might be taking close tabs on him. Uh, bummed out Yuri Kulich. I, I don't I'm Yuri Kulich. I'm trying to get I, I don't have enough phlegm to say his name. <laughs> um, uh, very bummed. He's 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 got a, a I think it's a lower body lower body injury something like that's keeping him out of this. Would have loved to get a look at him against some of these guys. He's another guy that I'm very high on. I, I you know, he's a first round pick, so you know, no, no kidding. Of course, of course, easy to be high on a first round pick, but, um, but he was, uh, he was a guy that I think was a kind of a steal. There was some talk that 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 was the guy they were trying to trade up 
to pick earlier on in the draft and they end up falling to him in the twenties. So, uh, he's a, another guy who, you know, 18 years old playing in the, in the extra league in, in, in the Czech, in Czechia. And, um, he's going to be playing at Rochester this season at 18. Like they got a handful of guys that are very young that are going to be playing at Rochester this year, which is first month or two might be tough for the Amherst, but once these guys settle in and they get playing, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch them uh, this season. And Kulik is, I know it sounds like I'm making fun of his name. I'm not, I'm just trying to say it right. <laughs> um, uh, he's a guy that I'm very interested in watching how he handles the season because uh, I think he's going to be a really good one. He's very strong. Again, another guy with a strong defensive game, uh, but the offense is very clearly there. I mean, he didn't score a ton in the extra league, but it's, you know, it's against, you know, probably played against Yarmir Yager, one of those games, who knows, but uh, <laughs> probably, but, uh, but anytime it was, it was same age tournament, like uh, the under 18s, he went off. Like he just absolutely went off and he, I think he played a world juniors. Didn't play world juniors this year maybe I, I I'm blanking. I, it's a long, it was a long summer, <laughs> uh, but he, uh, but like anytime he was against guys, his own age, he, the, the goals poured in. And um, so I, I understand why they're bringing him to Rochester uh, because if you send him back to check, then, you know, there's a, there's a little bit of worry because uh, Isak Rosane really got s- stuffed down the roster uh, with Lexans um, last year, he was he did not get a lot of a lot of playing time, not a lot of minutes. So it was a, kind of a lost development year for him almost. So a lot of these guys that are you know, the European guys got signed the summer. You know, Kisikov came over from Russia, um, uh, and you know they're bringing over Kulik. Um, you know, guys like this where they're just kind of like, all right, like let's get him over here so we can we can control the development cycle with him and uh but like you know if, if you send Kulik to the to the QMJHL what he's gonna kill everybody there like he's he's gonna <laughs> he score he'll score 50 goals put up 130 points he's gonna be what did he learn well he learned he can he can you know kick everybody's butt in that That's league right. <laughs> and then you know you know what happens you know when you when you go to the AHL the next season then you know you're coming in thinking like ah yeah this could be easy and then you get slammed into the boards the first time around you're like uh-oh this is a lot different this than, is different. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but yeah, he's, uh, it's an interesting group. And like, you know, I, some people were joking around, like, why did they put Owen power into the game? And it's like, listen, listen, that guy, that guy's, that guy's not a, he's not a junior player anymore. Like I, I know he could have played world juniors again in August, but, uh, I mean, geez, he, he's represented Canada in the Olympics for crying out loud. Like, I don't think, I don't think he needs, I don't think he needs any more time against, you know, 18, 18, 19 year olds. It's, it's graduation time for him. That's right. You, you touched on um, the two Sabres goaltenders uh, who played in the Buffalo Montreal game, um, mentioning uh, uh, Beckmorm. Um, interestingly enough, since Montreal brought three goaltenders, Joe Verbetic was in net uh, and they allowed him to take the entire game. It seemed though, uh, you know, that, Joe Verbetic, uh not looking exceptionally comfortable uh, mm-hmm. in in a great many portions of the game, and that the the both tandem uh, Sabres goaltenders seemed to to really kind of outperform what was going on in the net at the other end of the ice. What what were your thoughts on 
the cold the goaltending in general in this game? I, I think I think in Verbetic's case, uh, when you know Montreal gets up two to nothing, and then you know Buffalo kind of got those goals back kind of quick. I think he got that made him a little bit jumpy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and you know you're, you're giving up shorthanded chances and things like that. Then it's you know it's tough to recover from that. But you know I think a lot of goalies. If they don't, if they don't know how the guys in front of them are going to play, or you know they can't trust them, or whatever the case, it, get, it gets a little bit. You get a little bit um, uh, trigger happy with trying to make you know trying to read the plays or, or you know figure out where the play you know where the play is going to go, who's going to handle the puck, all that stuff. Uh, I think some you know some goalies can process that 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 kind of you know busy busy work around the net and a little bit different than others. And I think for him, it was, it was a little bit of that. I mean, you know, I think a couple you know, one of the goals was definitely a deflection, maybe two of them. Uh, so, I mean, that's tough. I deflected pucks. I mean, I, I, I can't really get on a, a goalie about that unless they're, you know, unless their positioning was terrible. Uh, Cause then that's on them. But, you know, if a guy trips one and it goes five hole, like, you know, that's a bummer. Like he's, he just can't do anything about that. But, um, it was a little bit. It was definitely a little bit more, a bit more sketchy later in the game from him. But you know, four three game. Eh, yeah, not gonna hate on it. Not gonna kill him for it. But, mm-hmm. um, but definitely not, not something where I was. I came away going like, wow, that kid's got it. Uh, you know, it's, it's tricky. It's tough. You know, and it's it's so hard to be in those in those kinds of spots, especially because the Sabers turn it on pretty well the second half of the game. Um, and you know, all their lines coming, you know, coming up the ice and, and really attacking things. And they got aggressive. I mean, they, they, they had defensemen pinching in quite often to try to help the offense go, which I mean, it helped Montreal turning into odd man rushes the other way, you know, when they were able to, to make a defensive play. But, um, but that's that's tough to see that, you know, first game since what, since the, uh, the OHL season ended and, mm. You know, here you know here comes here comes a, you know a couple of num- you know first round picks skating at you and you know some other guys where it's kind of like all right well this is this is hard this is tough <laughs> but I mean that's the game I mean you know no games are easy when you got you've got guys of this kind of talent level um, for Buffalo's guys I mean Beckworm I thought played very well I thought he was very strong um, and like you, you you know a guy with a you know, with, with some pro games under his under his belt. I mean, there was he got into one game with the Chicago Wolves last season. It was tough. It was you know it's a tough game, but um, still pretty pretty new to the pro game. So it, good for him. Uh, it was a very good game for him. So Chanik, we talked about, uh, and I would not be surprised if somebody, if it's not Buffalo, somebody's going to sign him uh, after this camp is over with, or after this tournament's over with. Uh, because I thought he was, I think he, I thought he showed out very strong and you, you mentioned he was very strong at world juniors. So that's a lot of, you know, goaltending is such a weird thing to try to, to scout for and to project and how, how, you know, where guys are going to go, you know, where they're going to go in their careers. But, um, but with the, with the guys Montreal were bringing last night in the attacks, Chanik stood really tall, uh, in handling a lot of that. Cause there was a lot of very quality chances that, that Montreal had later in that game that he was, he was there and, it was very. It was very interesting to watch um, that that first power play when it, when he came into the game and Slavkovsky's parked right in front of him. You know, we know how big he is. So Chanik's not that big. Like he's six feet tall, whatever. And 
instead of getting into like that, you know, that, you know, that kind of the, 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 like the cat position, I always call it the cat position because that's what Jonathan quick always looked like. Yeah. Cause he gets <laughs> down low and he's just peeking around legs and peeking around bodies. So Chanik stood up right, you know, right with, Slavkowski parked in front of the net. Like, shouldn't a defenseman be like <laughs> hanging out with him? It's Shattuck's like standing with him and just, you know, if he sees the puck coming, shove him out of the way, get the blocker and wait and just get a piece of equipment in front of the puck. That's, that's what he was doing. So um, it's a very, very bold kind of player. And, you know, you got a goalie that, that, that can be aggressive like that. Might cost you some goals sometimes because, you know, you get aggressive, you get burned, but, um, but man, he, he did not fear any shots. He was, he was attacking, attacking the puck for, and that can be a knock sometimes for goalies because if you're, you know, if you're punching at the puck and you know, you don't know where it's going, but anytime he was doing that, he knew where he was putting the puck. So, um, uh, came away very impressed with him, but, uh, I want to see, I want to see him in a full game and how he, how he handles that. And I'm pretty sure there's, there's a lot of people that are going to be very curious to see how he does. So uh, we already mentioned that it was a relatively full building on Thursday night for the Buffalo-Montreal game. You said that uh, tonight's game, uh, the Buffalo-New Jersey game, is sold out. Um, we, we have two teams here. We're, we're talking about two organizations here, Montreal and Buffalo, that uh, both finished in the bottom third of the standings last season, and yet there seems to be some excitement um, about prospects, Um there's there's some excitement about some excitement from Canadians fans and Sabres fans and and uh, Laval Rocket fans and Rochester American fans. Um, and both clubs seeming to be in a rebuild, but is is and and maybe Buffalo's a little further along down the road. But um, is there is there a lot of hope for this season amongst uh, both fan bases? Do you see? I could I can see both. Th- at the pro level, I can see fans of both teams being very encouraged. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think after 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 Montreal brought in Marty St. Louis, it was very hard to not see the difference in how they played and how much better a lot of the guys played, especially the important guys for the future. And I, I mean, I'm I'm subtweeting Cole Caulfield on this, but my goodness, the second Marty got in there, he was a different player. Like it, he went from being a guy that just you know. You know, he, he had shots, he had chances, but they weren't very good a lot of the time. But suddenly he was getting into those spots and the you know, puck's going in the net and he looked absolutely dynamite. Uh, it's it's a shame he wasn't playing like that. He, he wasn't able to do that for the full season because he probably wins the Calder going away had that been the case because he probably would have... You know, maybe scores 30, 40 goals. You know, mm-hmm. if it's, if he's got the if he's got Marty for the whole year. Well, now he will. So let's see let's see how that that plays out now. But um, it, it, it's it's easy to be encouraged. I think for Montreal. I mean, they're you know maybe a couple of years behind Buffalo in this rebuild thing. Well, Buffalo's rebuild has been going since 20, 2013, 2011. <laughs> <laughs> like been going on for a long time, but. Um, uh, you know, given everything that's, you know, that's happening it happened and is still happening in Montreal, you know, Carey Price and Shea Weber, all that stuff. But um, it's, it's very easy to be encouraged. Now, are the teams going to be good this season? Mm-hmm. They're in an impossible division. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah. it's been an impossible division for, for years, but when you're talking, you've got three of the best teams in the Eastern conference <laughs> in your division. And then, you know, the Bruins who, 
everybody keeps waiting for the Bruins to fall apart and then they don't and then they make the playoffs and you're just kind of like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> thought, they, thought these guys were dead. Like, this, yeah. they should be gone. <laughs> and they just keep coming. Pittsburgh's the same way. You keep waiting for Pittsburgh to fall apart and it's like, nope. Nope. Mike Sullivan just ends up being like the best coach in the NHL and figures out a way. So, um, but uh, it, it's, 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 it's good to be, it's, it's encouraging. Although, you know, you see uh, Detroit, make a push with their, you know, they're, they're coming through their rebuild and they're making an aggressive push. You know, they, you know, they added Billy Huso, they, you know, they add a few other guys to that team, you know, David Perron. Um, they brought in some character guys, some guys that you like to have in those, those big game moments. So, you know, Detroit's coming back and I'm forgetting who the other team Ottawa. was. Ottawa. Ottawa. My yes. goodness. Jeez. <laughs> I'm only going to be watching them this weekend. Come on. Uh, but Ottawa did the same thing, you know, yeah. same thing Detroit did and trying to add, and, uh, you know, I'm kind of proud of Pierre Dorian for, for getting aggressive and, uh, you know, attacking things in the off season and saying like, listen, we're, we're tired of, you know, fumbling around here and being at the bottom of the division. Problem is who are you unseating? Yeah, you know, you almost have to look at the metropolitan division, hoping some of those, some of those teams can fall apart. But well, I'm yeah. sure Philly would be happy to oblige there. Well, yeah, Philly, <laughs> Philly, and Jersey are probably going to be going to be helping fill that role. But I mean, Carolina and New York, they're not going anywhere. Pittsburgh and Washington. I mean, Washington's starting the season with a lot of a lot of injuries, uh, a lot of guys that are going to be out, but. They're going to come back. Tom Wilson's going to come back. You know, Carl Hagelin's going to come back. Nicholas Backstrom might not come back, but um, but Darcy Kemper, they add him in goal. Yeah. And just Stanley Cup, he's pretty good if he can stay healthy, mm-hmm. which was he's one of those guys where that's always been, you know, the bugaboo about him. But um, but he stayed healthy all last year. And, gee, look at that. Colorado won the Stanley Cup. So, um, but, uh, but, you know, they solidified that department. You know, Samsonov was very disappointing. Uh, I know they were so high on him and he just didn't come through, which bodes poorly for Toronto, uh, I'm sure. But, um, but you know, maybe the Islanders bounce back. You know, Columbus is, you know, got Johnny Gaudreau. There's some good vibes going on there in Columbus as well. So it's hard, man. Like, it's it's very hard to, to, to break through in the East. Never, You know, your own division, never mind the whole conference. Like, that's... Yeah. That's, where, that's where you're at. But, like, that middle area of the Eastern Conference... Uh, you know, once you get past Florida, you get past Tampa, you get past Toronto. Although Toronto, I don't know. I mean, they got Austin Matthews and they got Nylander, but something about them doesn't totally sit right now. They're the goaltending experiment. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> that, that's a big part of it. Um, their defense too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, defense has always has been an issue for them for a while, but. I don't know. And they're, they're for, if you look at what their forward lines are shaping up to be, that bottom six ain't looking great. <laughs> um, and, you know, you're looking at a team that might have to be making some deals. You know, everybody's waiting for Toronto to make deals for the last three years, but, you know, they're going to have to soon because Austin Matthews is going to need a new contract soon. And yeah. that's going to cost quite a bit of money. So, uh, but. I don't know. I mean, Toronto plays very well, but I don't know. Something with that roster ain't sitting right with me. And it, goaltending's the obvious part, but I don't know. I don't know. It's the points that got to come from somewhere if you're going to make the playoffs. It's just I, I don't know where you're pulling them from. 
that's you know, people in Buffalo have been so fired up because you know some people even got crazy last year thinking like, well, if Craig Anderson was healthy all year, we make the playoffs. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's, <laughs> let's not get crazy here, guys. They missed the playoffs by 30 points. Okay, <laughs> let's. He wasn't winning 15 games in a row, you know, at some point and changing things around, but. Um, but I, I've been telling people, Sabres played with zero expectations last year. Like anywhere they finished was kind of like, yeah, I'm okay. But they were picked to be one of the worst teams in the NHL, which was fair. It was very fair coming out of the Ralph Kruger era and like how bad they played there. Um, but they played above those expectations. They played fun. So people are encouraged, which is good. Be encouraged, but they're not ready for them. They're not ready for prime time yet. Uh, and I worry that fans are going to be like, I thought we were making the playoffs. I thought, what ha- what's happening? <laughs> Me, if for Buffalo, the goal is ninety points. If you get to ninety points, that's a that's a big year. That's a that's a that's an encouraging year that you're stepping forward. If if you're coming up short, if you're coming up around 80, 82, 83 points, I think you're like, okay, that's better. But I don't know if it's better, better, you know. Yeah. Um, because again, the bar is set very low in Buffalo <laughs> for trying to get back to things, but but now there's but there's a plan in place now that seems very clear with how Kevin Adams is doing things, and I, 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 my concern for Adams is that if Eric Comrie doesn't work out, I want to see how he handles the heat that's going to come from that because it's going to be two years, two three years in a row where goaltending has not been solved, and you know. I don't blame him for going for Comrie this year because the, the free agent pile wasn't very good. Um, you're either getting guys that are on the, the sunset of their career uh, that you're just going to plug in for a year and say like, well, maybe he'll help. Or you take a chance on Comrie who finally got a chance to play some games last season and looked really good. Um, but it's still only 19 games, you know, it's, it's what 29 total games in his career. You know, I mean, it's only a two year contract, but, you know, you're hoping that you can connect on that while you're waiting for, for Devin Levy. And um, I want to say Lukanen, but I don't know. I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not too encouraged that Lukanen's going to be their guy. And, you know, I want to mention Portillo too, but I don't think I, I got a funny feeling Portillo's not going to end up signing in Buffalo. So i that's another reason for them to sign Thomas Vichanek as well. But, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it, it, they, 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 I think they have all their eggs in the basket for, for, for Devin Levy and um, which is, you know, I mean, it, his college numbers last year were as good, if not better than Ryan Miller's when he won the Hobie, which is saying a lot. I mean, that's, that's an yeah. unbelievable season, uh, but it, it's against college competition. So you gotta, you gotta know what he's going to do against pros and probably needs like a year or two in Rochester to do it. Uh, but I don't, I don't know what the patience is. I don't know what the patience level is, is going to be for, for that here, especially if you're just kind of spinning your wheels and goaltending costs some games and costs some shots at the playoffs. That's that's where things get a little sketchy. But the team on the whole is better, and they're more fun. They're very young, and the vibes are strong. So it, that's enough, I think, to keep people cool about things here. I, I think that you can say the same for Montreal, too, mm-hmm. though. Although yes. It's, it's, I don't know. There's so much that's, that's in flux where it's, you know, you're, you're still trying to get back to some of that stuff while also trying to not wrap up the rebuild, but like you're, you're in the first couple steps of it and you're, you're looking to lock up some, some more of those 
players and pieces where you're, you're, you feel comfortable building ahead. I Slavkowski's obviously a very good start to that, but I think if Montreal ended up being a, you know, a bottom five team again, I don't know that people would be too upset about that because mm-hmm. it gives you a better shot at Connor Bedard. And I think that's, uh, <laughs> I think that's why Chicago got rid of everybody and we'll get rid of everybody. <laughs> Cause they're like, we're going to do it through the lottery again, boys. We're going to take the world by storm and everybody's going to hate us. Exactly. <laughs> there's a lot of expectations out there, but as you say, I think there's a, a good reason for, for fans to be encouraged and if the first game, the success of the first game of this rookie uh, tournament was was any indicator, uh, fans will at least be entertained, if nothing else, um, both sides of the ice. Uh, Sabres and Montreal really putting on a great show, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch what happens uh, in in the remaining games uh, in the tournament. And who uh, who else other but. Other than Joe Yurden, uh, just so pleased to be able to have you on the show today. I know the three of us were were hoping that we would be able to connect in person this year uh, and catch mm-hmm. up, but we're happy to be able to, I don't know, let the let our listeners catch up with Joe Yurden <laughs> along with us. Uh, Joe, thank you so much for for being with us today. If you're not following Joe on Twitter, you can do that at Joe Yurden. Uh, check out his work uh, this coming season on Bleacher Report at McKean's. Uh, check out his Maintenance Day podcast. And and you have a Substack that's out mm-hmm. uh, now. Where can people find you there? You can find that at Noted Hockey. I, I, I hope I don't need to spot, but I will. N-O-T-E-D-H-O-C-K-E-Y. Uh, .substack.com right now. I uh, It's going to be getting a lot busier there very soon. I know if you check it out now and you see like, this guy doesn't write at all. Well, I do. It's, just, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's coming soon, but there's, there's going to be some big things happening there very, very soon in the very near future. So it's uh, get in on the ground floor while you can. Be an early adopter. Early right. adopter of uh, the Joe Yurton Substack. Well, congratulations to you. We're looking forward to seeing all the wonderful things that you're going to do on the Sabres beat again this year. And we always appreciate you taking some time to uh, to join us here on the podcast, Joe. It's always a treat to talk with with both of you. And it, it makes my day to, to do that because it's, it's, you know, it, we've known each other for I'm not even going to say how long now, but it's a long time now. And it's always great to catch up and, and, and talk pucks. Maybe we can get you guys, if Montreal comes back to this next year, maybe we can get you here for that. That'd be for great. Sure. We would love that. Wow. What a great discussion. Um, Joe Yurden was obviously the right guy. Um, I d- despite all the sirens and, and things going on in the background, obviously the right guy. And, and, uh, Oh, just a lot of knowledge there. And, and um, I, th- I think the other part of it is hearing about the, the um, uh, Buffalo prospects. It's able to provide context. The Canadians are uh, a year in, into this rebuild, essentially. Uh, the Buffalo Sabres have been at it for a, a bit longer time. Uh, and, and things aren't going to be f- fixed with one draft. They aren't going to be fixed overnight. It's going to take... Uh, it's going to take a while to do this. So it was nice to hear about uh, those prospects uh, on the Buffalo side and how their rebuild is going. 
Yeah, Buffalo into the first year of the rebuild on top of the previous rebuild, I would probably say. <laughs> but uh, yeah, lots of players to be excited about there. And uh, you know what, Habs fans uh, who aren't too, too sure what to expect going through a rebuild here, look over at Buffalo and uh, compare uh, what you have, compare what they went through. Hopefully it's a little bit more of a smooth transition uh, for Montreal, but uh, you, you have to take a look at some of those prospects on both teams and feel like they both have very bright futures. And um, I, I think we talked about uh, this being a, a bit more of a hybrid uh, rebuild than, say, the traditional rebuild that uh, Buffalo is going through, uh, you know, years and years and years at the bottom and, and picking up all of those draft picks. Uh, and, and in a couple of podcasts ago, we talked about accelerating the rebuild. Jeff Gorton has uh, experience doing that in, in uh, New York and uh, it seems that's that's that there's going to be a little bit of a, a different approach uh, here in Montreal, and that should be good news for fans as well. Yeah, plenty of optimism for fans, and uh, I hope uh, everyone enjoyed uh, listening to all of the insights from uh, Joel Yurden. Uh, big thank you to uh, Joel and uh, Amy for stepping in and uh, providing all that information. Uh, really appreciated listening to all of that. But now it's time for uh, our, our the, we, we love this segment uh, and and because uh, it's all about the fans. Have your say, the third segment. Uh, we're excited to get to that. Yeah, we will take our final break here on uh, Canadians Connection. Uh, we have a new message from brand new sponsors, uh, Raycon. Uh, you'll want to listen to that. Uh, Amy uh, uh, gives us all co- sorts of information on that. Uh, so stay with us. You are listening to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Lately, I've been listening to a lot of great 80s music on Spotify. Can you blame me? Sometimes the 80s just really sound great. It's really been fun, and one reason it's been great to listen to it is because I've been using my Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. Uh, Now, with optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, which my ears are always really difficult to get a custom snug fit for in-ear earbuds, and uh, Raycon's got such a wide variety, it's just perfect. These earbuds are so comfortable, and they will not budge. Trust me. Raycons give you eight hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. They're priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycon's everyday earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. Some of the things that I love about it, uh, there's customizable sound profiles. So whether you're listening to something like jazz that you really want a, a pure sound, they have a setting for that. If you're listening to some, some, some dance or some, you know, pop, hip hop, that kind of thing. You want something a little bassier. Well, they have a setting for that as well. Uh, Everything is controlled through tap functions right on the earbuds, whether it's moving a a header forward with your tracks or your volume control or what sound setting you want. There's also what they call an awareness mode uh, where you can press that and it allows some more sound from your environment to seep in so that you can still hear what's going on around you while you're listening to your favorite music or podcast or anything like that. Go to buyraycon.com today and use code THPN15 to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's code THPN15 at buyraycon.com to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com, 
code THPN15. Welcome back to episode 209 of the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Uh, make sure you are following at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Plus, check out the website, CanadiansConnection.com. We also have a very special Rocket Sports text line, so you can text us at 5853-ROCKET. Now, that was a great interview uh, with Joe. Uh, once again, thank you so much for... Uh, providing all your insights and uh this is a have your say segment uh, we will get to our canadians connection question of the week uh, momentarily absolutely we just want to make sure that you know especially for our our new uh, uh newer listeners uh where you can go this is not only a podcast uh there's also um websites uh, yes, we have more uh, than one, but our, our main flagship uh, website is at allhabs.net. There you're going to find Habs headlines. Uh, you're going to find uh, Habs notepad on Monday, every Monday by Chris G, kind of a capsule of everything that's happened the previous week. And Chris has got his uh, work cut out for him this coming week, this coming Monday. Um, and soon, uh, very soon, um, even for the preseason games, you're going to be seeing game uh, previews, game reviews. And so allhabs.net uh, all should be uh, bookmarked and should be uh, a destination that you head to every single day. Yeah, we talked about uh, being here right uh, straight through the summer to help keep everyone informed. Uh, we're going to keep you just as informed, if not more informed, while the season is going on. Uh, some of the other ways we like to do that is uh, on YouTube, our uh, Habs Hockey Report, hosted by Amy Johnson. It comes out every Thursday. Make sure you head over to the uh, All Habs Magazine YouTube page. Uh, hit like and subscribe. Last uh, Thursday's episode uh, is entitled, Here's Captain Nick Suzuki. So she keeps everyone up to date with all the timely news. You'll, make, you'll want to make sure that you tune into that. Plus, leave a comment. Uh, she's always great at uh, either reading comments on air or answering them uh, once again within the comments. So make sure you uh, interact with Amy. YouTube.com slash allhabs. It's easy to find. Uh, all one word, allhabs. YouTube.com slash allhabs. And, of course, uh, make sure you subscribe to the Canadians Connection and uh, the Press Zone on your favorite podcasting app or in the player uh, next week, uh, just to give everyone a little preview of what to expect on the Canadians Connection podcast. We have a one-on-one -on -one exclusive interview with Haps prospect Owen Beck. Uh, Owen Beck has been one of uh, my favorite guys to watch throughout the, the prospect uh, challenge so far, so you'll get to hear all sorts of great things from him. Just a rookie coming out of the OHL. He'll be heading back to, to Mississauga uh, this season for, um, for his second season. But before um, he does that, we're going to stop and have a one-on-one -on -one with him. We're going to present that to you next week on episode uh, 210 of the Canadians Connection. Yep, and uh, coming up on Tuesday, uh, you're going to want to check out the Press Zone. Uh, it's hosted by Rick and Amy. They keep you up to date on everything AHL and Habs prospects, so make sure you like and subscribe to that podcast as well. That's what we want you to do is make sure you look down in the player that you're, you're using your favorite podcast app. We're on all of them, uh, and subscribe, and tell your friends to subscribe uh, so you won't want to miss a thing. 
And of course, uh, the Rocket Sports team is recruiting. Uh, If you are interested in joining the Rocket Sports team, make sure you reach out to us. Uh, We are always looking for great candidates to help contribute to our platform. If you're a passionate Habs fan, a passionate hockey fan, you like writing or you do some sort of creation, make sure you reach out to us. Uh, We do have a couple new recruits uh, to welcome uh, to the Rocket Sports team and Gustav and Adam. uh, Just welcome to both of you and I really look forward to working with you. I've had some fascinating uh, conversations with uh, applicants and and, uh, really passionate uh, fan base. We have uh, a Rocket Sports team made up of individuals from all over, all across North America. Uh, We added two more uh, who uh, just uh, shone in uh, the application process in Adam and and Gustav and and, Gustav. uh, Gustav's going to have his first article out uh, probably Sunday or my, and and it's about Yaroslavkovsky, so you're not going to want to miss it. Again, head to allhabs.net to find it. So now it's time to get to our Canadians Connection question of the week. As captain, should Nick Suzuki be required to learn French as demanded by Quebec Premier Francois Legault? Um, wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what, uh, what a question, uh, what a response, um, it are, especially, uh, on Facebook, um, our, our, our Facebook group, uh, which is, is home to 50,000, uh, Montreal Canadians, more than 50,000 Montreal Canadians fans, but this went well beyond that, uh, the number of comments, the reach, uh, that this had, uh, was hundreds of thousands, uh, and um, you know it, it's it's I, I this this shouldn't be an issue. Uh, this should be as we said. Um, Nick Suzuki came out and he he's learned uh, a little bit of French uh, to show respect, and it was um, telling because it was after his introduction, after uh, his outreach that uh, Quebec Premier uh, Francois Legault said, mm, not good enough, he must learn French as Habs uh, captain. And, um, you know, was uh, once the Premier says something like that, it, uh, it empowers others. And, uh, you know, French media, both English and French, have said uh, that uh, Nick Suzuki needs to be bilingual. Um, and, um, you know, th- this, this uh, whole issue... Uh, has um, a, a real um, unpleasant uh, point of division about it, uh, and and it's become less of a hockey issue, <laughs> to be honest, uh, than than just um, you know it's this this whole issue has been a magnet for uh, bigotry, uh, frankly, um, and it's that's that's really disappointing. But I can say I can say quite confidently. Uh, that Montreal Canadiens fans, and that goes for Montreal Canadiens in Quebec, outside of Quebec, English, French, Spanish, Portuguese, whatever, are almost united in saying, no, of course not. Uh, Of course uh, it shouldn't be a requirement for him to uh, learn. It's tough enough being uh, a player in the National Hockey League all your demands. Uh, it's tough enough being an elite athlete in uh, this age, in 2022. Uh, he shouldn't have to uh, have a tutor or be sitting in a classroom like Max Pacioretty did three times a week uh, for French lessons. 
Um, the Montreal Canadiens could solve this so easily. And, and um, you know, the, the kind of live translation in both languages, in three languages, in six languages. And the Montreal Canadiens brand is worldwide. We've certainly experienced that. Um, and we've put out original content in six languages uh, over the years. Um, Montreal Canadiens, with all their wealth, one of the wealthiest uh, uh, organizations in the National Hockey League, in sport, uh, could put in live translation services uh, that would uh, be appreciated by, by all, all fans. Um, but they've chosen not to and have kind of uh, fueled this this uh, discussion, but pretty confident. I'm confident, uh, and if you you read the comments, um, you know most of the comments from uh, our our community uh, who are our French first speakers say no, of course not. There's no expectation. We love when when we hear uh, our players uh, speak a word or two or a phrase. Uh, in French, that's that's really nice. That's uh, and we respect that, uh, but there's no expectation uh, beyond that. And um, unfortunately, this this issue gets co-opted uh, by people who not really interested in hockey. They're interested in making a political point. One of the reasons we stay clear of politics here, um, uh, and and um, you know, kind of carry this and 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 drive it as as a point of division. We don't want to have any part of that at all. Yeah, what I will say is uh, whittling people down to what language they speak, where they were born, or their last name in general is just, it's ugly. It's not something that I think I appreciate or anyone really appreciates. But doing that in the context of hockey, which hockey should be bringing us all together and uniting, that's 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 just dirty, and uh, it's something I don't think many people really appreciate. Not at all. Um, just to to highlight a couple of of kind of common points uh, that are made, um, you know, if if Larry Robinson and Bob Gainey and the Stasnys can do it, why can't, uh, and that is learn French, why can't Nick Suzuki? Um, I think it's really, uh, and, and notice that to make those comparisons, uh, these people are going back 40 and 50 years. I think it's really tough to, um, to make those kind of, I, I think it's kind of irrelevant uh, the way, um, the demands on players 40 or 50 years ago, if you've been watching the 72 Summit um, series documentary, you can see that uh, Phil Esposito said, you know, the summers were spent uh, lounging at, at the cottage drinking beer. Uh, there was no training at all. There was lots of time, lots and lots of time for, you know, learning languages and doing other things. Uh, so the comparison is just kind of irrelevant. Similarly, um, you know, people have talked about um, uh, players, uh, soccer players, going to Europe and and learning the the, the language in 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 uh, that situation. The comparable there, of course, is European um, European players, European hockey players, uh, coming to North America and having to learn English. Um, English, uh, I think we it, it's safe to say is the English is the the language of the NHL. It's the language spoken on the ice. Every team, it's the language spoken on the bench. Every team, it's the language spoken in the dressing room. Every team. 
so yes, um, you know, the, the players must learn English. That's the other uh, uh, point that's brought up sometimes is, well, uh, no one would put up with um, uh, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs captain uh, being um, a unilingual f- francophone. Um, and, and again, that's simply because the league is uh, an English league. Don't believe it. Um, you know, the, uh, if you look at uh, the, the uh, commissioner of, of the QMJHL, uh, Gilles Corteau, um, and he's been doing this a long time, 30-some-odd years, um, what do they do in the queue? Well, they teach their, their uh, re- uh, prospects English. Um, Jill Corteau says, uh, quote, when it comes to coaching on the ice and during the game, we favor English. It's the language of hockey. So I said, it's the language of the NHL. Commissioner of the Q said, no, it's the language of hockey. Um, it's, it's just, that's just the way it is. Um, those are some of the, the comments we got. Or um, <laughs> um, here's one uh, that I thought was interesting that uh, French should be predominant uh, worldwide uh, because, uh, this is from Martin Kroll, uh, William the Conqueror defeated Harold in 1066, and the language of the royalty was French for centuries. Only peasants speak English. Uh, Thanks for that, uh, Martin. Uh, That really uh, is kind of meaningless and doesn't contribute positively to... uh, to this conversation so but uh, you know um those are the folks that this is about um this is about a, 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 a an agenda a language agenda uh it's not about hockey in the first place um there's one more that i want to read to you um and i'm going to find it here um, uh, uh, just before you say yeah, that, too, I, yeah. I, I will go ahead and say Please do. We're, we're not saying that Nick Suzuki or anybody else should not learn French. Like, absolutely. If you, anyone or Nick Suzuki want to go ahead and do that, like, that's absolutely their decision. We just think that it's a little bit ugly when people whittle someone down to does this person speak French or not? That's when I think there's it's uh, it's kind of disgusting at that point. Exactly, and and we applauded um, uh, both Nick, well Nick Suzuki and and um, you know you look back at um, uh, Shea Weber spoke a couple of words. Uh, Brian Gionta tried uh, in English, didn't sound very good, but he tried. Max Pacioretty um, had uh, lessons um, and and uh, often um, and embraced learning French. So we we embrace it. It's just the the demand and the requirement. Um, this, this one from Andrew Carroll, um, if, if you're going to be, uh, in Quebec and, uh, immerse yourself in the whole hockey culture, uh, you must learn French. If you sign with the Yankees, are you going to reject a giant slice of New York pizza? Uh, if you do, they'd say, get the hell out of here. It's exactly the same in Quebec. You must learn the language to embrace the culture. Uh, Andrew, um, I don't know how you put your pants on in the what? morning by yourself. <laughs> I don't. Uh, that is the most bizarre comment on this language debate that I have ever heard. Equating it to eating a slice of New York pizza. 
Yeah, I, I don't think that I'm going to give that <laughs> any comment or any moment of my time. Uh, but uh, we'll, I think what we'll do here is we'll move on to important dates for uh, Montreal Canadiens of all kinds. Um, it'll be tomorrow, September the 19th, Sunday at noon, the Montreal Rookies versus the Ottawa Rookies. And we just got confirmation that both Slavkovsky and Caden Gooley will be playing that game. So like I said, Montreal Canadiens fans, wherever you are, wherever you're from, or whatever language you speak, you can all tune into that game and enjoy. Yeah, so September 18th uh, is is Sunday, uh, just to clarify. But uh, the last game of, of the Prospect Challenge, and um, yes, we don't. And, and we should say um, that um, there are comments on the page, um, on our, our, um, our uh, Facebook page, um, in languages other than French and English, uh, to let you know the, the kind of of reach that our page has and, uh, and where uh, Canadians fans find themselves uh, around this wonderful Habs planet. Yeah, I believe it wasn't too long ago we were talking about uh, getting some listeners from all the way in Slovakia, so that's, uh, that's pretty neat. Absolutely. So I think uh, that will be a wrap for us today. Thank you all for listening. Uh, please make sure you hit that subscribe button and uh, please make sure if you're not already, uh, you are subscribed to the Canadians Connection podcast in the player or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, if you like what you heard today, you can share it on social media. Uh, enjoy your week. Uh, we'll be, be, we will be back here next Saturday, September the 24th for another great episode. And uh, Owen Beck's going to be on that episode as well, in case you forgot. Thank you all for listening to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens. Canadians.